Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're excited to present a conversation with director Risuke Hamaguchi, whose new film, Evil Does Not Exist, will make its U.S. premiere at the upcoming 61st New York Film Festival. Inspired by a Haruki Murakami short story, Risuke Hamaguchi spins an engrossing, rapturous epic about love and betrayal and grief and acceptance in the NYFF 59 Main Slate selection, Drive My Car. With his characteristic emotional transparency, Hamaguchi charts the unexpected, complex relationships that a theater director forges with a trio of people out of professional, physical, or psychological necessity. His wife, with whom he shares an erotic bond forged in fantasy and storytelling, a mysterious actor whom he's drawn to by a sense of revenge as much as fascination, and, perhaps most mysteriously, a plaintive young woman hired by a theater company, against his wishes, to be his chauffeur while he stages Uncle Vanya. Hamaguchi specializes in revelations of the heart, and Drive My Car, a beautiful melding of two distinct authorial sensibilities, consistently steers clear of the familiar in its characters' journeys towards self-examination. Earlier this week, we announced the spotlight selections for the 61st New York Film Festival, taking place from September 29th through October 15th. Select highlights include the U.S. premiere of Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron, the world premiere of Garth Davis's Foe, the world premiere of Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie's new series, The Curse, and the North American premiere of our Spotlight Gala, Bradley Cooper's Maestro. Learn more about all of the selections at filmlink.org NYFF61 Spotlight. NYFF61 passes are currently on sale, and we encourage you to purchase yours at filmlink.org slash passes. Now please enjoy the conversation between Drive My Car director Risuke Hamaguchi and moderator, author, and journalist Min Jin Lee. Thank you for staying with us. Thank you. <laughs> well, first of all, I wanted to say that it's really wonderful to be here in real life. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> and it's an extraordinary honor to be here with Ruske and with Aiko as we talk tonight about the most magnificent film that I've seen in a very, very long time. I know that many of you here are voters. And like you, I have judged many things. And I am asked very often what I think of things. And I want you to know that I thought very hard about coming tonight because I think this film is so extraordinary and deserves merit for many, many reasons. And one of the things that I was thinking about is that during the pandemic, in which our country has suffered the loss of almost one million people, one of the things that we as a nation and as around the world need to do for the six million lives we have lost is to understand grief. All the things that we have not said all the things that we should have said, and all the things we still want to say to all those that we lost. And I think that this film is so deeply topical on this subject for human connections and how much we really want to know each other. So one of the first questions I wanted to ask you 
risque is now that here we are in real life. Can you talk about the role of grief in this film? まず本当にあの素晴らしいあのことを言ってくださったことに感謝します。今日こうしてお話しできることをとても嬉しく思っています。First of all, I want to thank you so much for the wonderful words you just said,、um, and I really look forward to having this conversation with you. で、まあこれがそのまあ深い悲しみについての映画、グリーフについての映画だっていうことを、まあ実はその作っているときにそこまで意識をしているわけではないんです。あの、自分がやっていることっていうのは本当に具体的にまああるキャラクターがいて、このキャラクターがまあ抱えている問題っていうものがあって、あの、まあそれが一体どうやったら、あの、まあ解決できるだろう。彼がまあ大丈夫だって、まあ言えるところまでどうやったらいけるだろうっていうことを思ってました。なのでこうやっていろんな反応を受けて、あ、これはまあグリーフについての映画なんだっていうことを分かっていくことになります。So actually, when I was making the film, I wasn't so conscious about the fact that I was making a film about grief necessarily.、Um, I really start off by having characters, and then I think about the, the, the problems that they're burdened with. And then I really go through with thinking about how can these characters get to a place where they feel okay about where they are.、Um, and so it's really through hearing all of your reactions that I've really learned to understand that this film is about grief. Yeah. 本当に普遍的な話なんだっていうことを、まあこうやって、まあ国境を越えて、言語を越えて受け入れられることですごく感じてます。あの、これは、まあ深い悲しみを味わう、その一つの条件と言ったらおかしいかもしれないですけれども、その前提となるのは誰かを深く愛しているっていうことです。誰かを深く愛して、です。より良い人生を送ろうとしているっていうことだと思います。それがある種の前提条件になっているし、それは我々みんながやろうとしていることだと思います。あ、そう、あい、I think at the end of the day, this is a universal story, and I feel like it's universal because I've understood that this story can transcend borders and transcend language in a lot of ways.、Um, and in thinking about experiencing grief, I think it's predicated on the fact that、uh, you love somebody, you love somebody deeply, and you love somebody deeply because you want to live a le- better life, and it leads to wanting to live a better life. あの、とても大きな矛盾をはらんでいると思っています。まあ、誰かを深く愛するっていうことはやっぱりとても大きな喜びをもたらしてくれるんだけれども、まあ、その誰かとは、まあ、必ずいつか別れなくてはいけないタイミングが来て、それは、まあ、必ず大きな苦しみをもたらすことになる。それがいつ起こるかはわからないけど、これはもう我々の人生に、まあ、絶対起きることなんだっていうことを、まあ、その多くの人とその感想を共有することで今とても感じています。And, and to live this life, it also means that there is a contradiction that exists because to love somebody deeply,、um, it also means that it indefin- there def- definitely will be a point where you also have to separate, and beca- and which means that whatever is giving you the most happiness can also lead you to the most grief. We don't know when those things happen, but we're always going to find a time as long as you love somebody else that that, that will happen, that separation will happen. And it really is through receiving these reactions that I've really learned to understand this. Yeah, 村上春樹さんがやってきた仕事っていうのが何,何かっていうことも分かった気がします。あの、村上春樹さんの普遍性っていうのは、まあ、まさにそういう、まあ、誰の問題でもあるものを扱っていること、誰しもが必ずくぐり抜けなければいけない問題を扱っていることから生まれているものだと思っています。
And really through these reactions, I've really also learned what my story is really saying here. But I've also learned a lot about Haruki Murakami's work and the universality that exists within the themes that he deals with. He always deals with problems that everybody has, things that everybody must go through in life. Um, I love what you said about grief. Most importantly, what you said is that grief is a result of that deep love. Yes. So can we please talk about my favorite characters? <laughs> Kafuku and Misaki, yeah. the central relationship of this film. Because we are talking about survivors, those who have to deal with their grief, and because they have lost their love objects. And their love objects are really interestingly, we have, of course, um, Oto, the name sound, right? So we have this beautiful metaphor of Oto, and she's this very magical person, a storyteller. And part of that is coming from, I believe, the short story Shahrazad, yes. right? And then you have the other love object of Misaki, which is the mother, who is also split with the character Sachko, which is the big discovery at the end of the film. So we have two survivors who lost magical people. And I want to say magical rather than people who are mentally ill or people who are disturbed because they're also really dramatic. I did a little research on you. <laughs> I did. And this is what you said. One of the reasons why you're drawn to this project is, and you said, the short story deals with acting as its theme. To act is to hold multiple identities, which is a socially accepted form of insanity, so to speak. Doing it as a job is obviously grueling and sometimes even causes meltdowns. But I know people who have no choice but to do it. And these people who act for a living are in fact healed by that insanity. So interesting. Which enables them to continue living. This type of acting done as a way to survive is something I've been interested in for a long time. This sentence here, who act for a living are in fact healed by that insanity, which enables them to continue living. Can you talk about that? まあでもこれは、まあ本当にそういうことだというふうに思っています。まあこれは演技に限らないかもしれないですけれども、表現をするっていうこと、え表現をするっていうことは、まあ今日、これはインタビューを受けていて気づいたことですけれども、表現をするっていうのは結構まあ言われなくても何かを言うっていうことなんですよね。言われなくても、聞かれなくても何かを言わずにはいられないっていうのは何か一つの、まあ、それをその時僕は狂気って、まあ、インサニティと呼んでますけれども、あの何かの傷に由来している、もうすごく癒しがたい傷みたいなものにまあ由来しているのではないかということをまず思います。Um, I simply do think that is true to an extent. Um, and I don't think this is just related to the act of performance. Um, I think to express, and this is something that I really figured out today when I was being interviewed elsewhere, but I realized that to, to express is to really say something or need to say something without being asked to. And I think that is a, a, a sort of form of an insanity in a way of needing to do that. Um, and I think this need is also connected with A deep wound that's difficult to heal. で、あの、まあ、そう言うと自分がすごく
、なんか深い傷を抱えていて何か表現しているみたいに聞こえるかもしれないけど、まあ傷だけとは限らない。何か、まあ空洞、空洞みたいなもの、何かが欠けているっていうような感覚っていうものに駆られて、人は何か表現をするっていう側面がまずあると思います。Uh, and when I say deep wound, it really sounds as if I'm carrying some very deep wound. But I, I think it's not just about wounds, but perhaps some kind of emptiness that you feel or sort of a lack. And I think that lack can also lead to expressing. で、まあ、自分があった俳優たちの中には、やっぱり、まあ、なんていうか、演じざるを得ない人たちっていうのがいるわけですね。で、これは、あの、嘘をつくとか、まあ、演じるっていうことはやっぱり嘘をつくっていうこととは違っていて、まあ、やっぱりその人自身を何とか表現したいっていうことを思っている。そして、まあそ、その僕が知ってる何人かについて言えば、まあ、やっぱりどこかで、まあ、この生きることがとても生きづらいと思っていて、何か違う出口を探している人たち。その人たちにとって、その演じるっていうことがとても大事な要素になっていると思いました。And there are some actors that I've met who really feel that they just, they really have to act. They must perform.、Um, and the thing is, I think performance is very different from lying.、Um, it's, it comes from a place of wanting to express themselves. And this is something that I hear from some people. There's so, some of the actors that I know,、um, I think often have something, something about life that they find to be difficult to, to live.、Um, and they're often looking for an exit in that life.、Yeah. こういう人たちにとって、まあ演じるっていうことは本当に必要不可欠なことで、まあ生きるためにやらざるを得ないこと。で、こういう人たちの演技を捉えるときに、まあ、やっぱりとても不思議なことが起きる。で、不思議なことっていうのは何かっていうと、あの、まあ一方でとてもシンプルなことでもあって、それがその人自身ではないっていうことを分かっているにもかかわらず、それが本当としか思えないっていうことを感じることが、まあとても多いっていうことです。まあ、そこにやっぱりある演じることの神秘みたいなものがあって、もう明らかに偽物だということを分かっているのにそれが真実としか、まあ思えなくなる。で、そういうものをカメラで捉えて記録して、あの、見せられた時に、まあすごく人生が変わるような体験をする。その世界、世界の見方が変わるような体験をするっていうことは、まあ自分も観客としてまずそれを知っていると思いました。And for some of these people, I think,、um, performance becomes a necessity in their life. They really need to perform. And when that happens, I think very strange things begin to happen because even though they realize that it's not themselves, there's something about them that believes that even that something fake is actually true.、Um, and I think that's part of the mystery of performance, of being able to, even though we know that it's not true, we can still believe that it's in fact true. And when the camp, Camera is able to capture that. I think it's able to show something that can、uh, make you see the world differently. And that's, that's an experience I've had as an audience member of film.
なんだけれども、それをやらずにはいられない。なので、自分が監督としてやってることっていうのは、まあ、その人たちができるだけ自分自身を明らかにすることができるように、まあ、手助けをする。その環境を作るっていうことを、まあ、自分はしていると思います。Um, so, and I think this is related to,、uh, the role of fiction. I think fiction has the ability to be,、uh, to show the world,、um, in different ways as we usually see or hear them. I think there's a sense that fiction is able to sort of reveal something from under the cover, that there's a new world that only fiction can do, that the world is not exactly as we usually see and hear. And to perform in those things, I think, can be a dangerous act for the actors, but there are actors who just feel that they're very much compelled that they must do these things.、Um, and as a director, I think my job is to create an environment where the actors can feel safe to reveal Themselves, something true about themselves. I love that. I love that. Because I do think that in fiction, that you have an emotional truth that is absolutely inaccessible in nonfiction. Because we have the cover that we could be completely honest. I was wondering if we can talk more about communication and expression. Because in that space of expression, of, of expression, I wanted to talk about the confessions that are made at the very end of the film. We have two confessions of two, I want to say murders, because these two characters really believe they've committed murder in a way. So the two deaths, I mean, there, there are multiple deaths actually in this work. You have the death of the child, right? We begin with the death of the child. And then we also have the murder by the,、um, the actor, which happens. Tragically, toward the very, very end. So you have these sort of bracketing deaths, which are considered less、um, manageable. But the two deaths that are interesting are, for us at this moment, is Otto's death, which Kafka actually believes he's responsible for, and the other death, which Misaki believes she's responsible for. So, can you talk a little bit about those confessions and the, and the guilt? えっと、まあ、これは、でも、自分自身がその原作を読んで、おそらく感じたことなんだというふうに思います。で、この原作を展開するにあたって、まあ、これを一つの長編の映画にするには、まあ、原作の映画短すぎるところがあったので、まあ、原作より先の結論までたどり着かなくてはいけないと思ったときに、まあ、やっぱりその、特に下腹が、まあ、自分がその妻の死に対して何か責任を全くなかったっていうことを考えるのはやっぱり難しいと思いました。で、原作の中にその高月が車の中で家服を見て言うセリフがそのままあります。本当に他人の心を見たいと思ったら自分自身を深く覗き込むしかないんですと。で、この言葉を言われたら、まあ、そのあたりで原作は大体終わってるんですけれども、もっと先に行かなくてはいけない。本当にその自分自身を見なくてはいけない。そういうことが起こるはずだと思ってました。Poor Aiko. <laughs>、um, for me, it's really what I felt reading, reading the original. It's related to what I really felt reading the original.、Um, and in knowing that I needed to adapt this story, I knew I needed to develop the story as well because the original story was a short story that wasn't enough for a feature film.、Um, and so I knew that I needed to get to a conclusion that goes beyond the original story. And in thinking that, I was thinking that、um, I don't think it would have been possible for Kafuku to feel no responsibility. 
responsibility towards his wife's death. Um, and so, uh, so when I was taking the original, there's a, there's a, uh, dialogue that Takatsuki has in the original that I took directly from the original where, where he says in the car in order to see others properly you must look at yourself deeply um, and and the original story actually ends around there around there but after being said something like that I figured that you really have to know what then happens what happens after that is being said でこれは少し飛躍するかもしれませんけれども、まあ、11年前に日本で起きた、まあ、地震があり津波があり原発事故が、まあ、ありましたし、まあ、東日本大震災と呼ばれているものですけれどもあのその後に自分は、えー、っとその津波の被害に遭った人たちに、まあ、インタビューをしたであの、まあ、津波の被害に遭った人たち特に肉親を亡くした人たちは、まあ、何に苦しんでいるかっていうと、まあ、亡くなってしまった人の声をもう聞けないっていうことに苦しんでいる。自分に何か責任があったのではないかと。何かのレベルで思っている。もし自分が家に帰っていたらとか、もしあの人を連れ出していたらとか、まあ、そういう、もしあの時ああしていたらっていうことを、まあ、死者が決して答えてくれないがためにずっと考えてしまうということが起こります。I think we have exactly time for one more question.I know, it went fast, right? You're having fun?、Yeah. <laughs> Talking about grief and death and confession. <laughs> no, I promise I'll end on a good note.、Um, so I'm going to jump a little bit in terms of what I spoke about earlier, but I think,、um, you know, 11 years ago, there was the Great East Japan earthquake、uh, in the Tohoku region. There was the earthquake, the tsunami, and then the, the nuclear incident. And with that, there were, I made a documentary in which I went to go and interview victims of the tsunami, people who have lost people. And In talking and meeting with these people, I realized that the grief that they have is really、uh, comes from the fact that they can no longer hear the voices of the people they lost, the close people that they lost.、Um, and, and a part of them really start to question their own responsibility. They start to think, oh, what, what if I had gone home at that point? What if I had done this? What, I, what if I had done that? And really start to question whether there was something that they could do. And I think that really arises from the fact that these people who are dead can no longer speak to them and they can't hear their voices anymore. で、まあ自分自身もやっぱりそういうことを聞いていたらそのことについて考えざるを得ない。で、まあ彼らはどうやって死者の声を聞けるんだろうっていうことを考えたこともあったんですけれど、まあ本当にごくごくシンプルな答えは、まあ聞くことはできないっていうことです。決して聞くことはできない。つまり考え続けないといけない。でも、まあそれがきっと我々が生きるっていうことなんだろうということも思いました。その考えがおそらくこの映画には反映されているんじゃないかと思います。Um, and in listening to these people, Talk, I really, it really made me think. I had to think about the same things.、Um, and it, it, there was a point in which I started to think, oh, how can they actually start to, how, how will they be able to hear the voices of the death? How can I make sure that they can hear this? But the conclusion I came to is that they, the, the reality is that they could never hear those voices again. But We must always continue to think about these things. And I think that continuing to think is to live, and that's about what, what it means to live. I want to express my admiration for several things, but one of the most important things is how much you reveal that silence can also equal expression. That repression, even though you can, you can say things, you can say many, many things, but if you're really repressing, you're saying nothing at all. But in silence, there is great expression.
I was wondering if we could talk about the ending, and I don't mean the Korean part, where Misaki's in Korea, but the ending in terms of the beautiful ending that you've earned, where you've braided Uncle Vanya so beautifully and so intricately that I was amazed by the craftsmanship of your integration of Chekhov to um, Murakami's work, as well as, most importantly, the hybrid original work that you create. And I was wondering if you could talk about this idea of enduring and gaman, as well as expression, because I think that's where you have a new statement, a modern statement, that repression is not necessarily gaman. Gaman can also integrate expression. もう、その um, you know, you said so many wonderful things, and I don't know if I'm able to respond to all of this. Um, but, <laughs> but I, um, you know, when I went about to go and interview these victims of the tsunami, um, I actually, it was the first time for me to go out to interview. And so I went to a TV interviewer to go and ask um, them for advice. I asked them, what is the secret to doing interviews? And I know this was a silly question, but I still asked it anyway. And the thing that they told me was um, to, it's really about how importantly you can keep the silence. The, um これはま実際にインタビューをしていたらま本当にそれはそうだと思いましたまある質問をしてま沈黙をしている時間があるで沈黙をしているとま気まずくなるから次の質問をしたくなるんだけれども沈よく見るとその沈黙っていうのはまや
And the words that come out after the silence, and this is something I talked about with my co-director because there was a co-director on the project. We talked about it. We really came to love the silence because the words that came out after the silence always felt much more refined. These were words that were very much refined because they've been thinking in the silence. It's not these words, not these words, not this, not that. And then when they do actually say something, the voice sounded very clear, and it was a kind of voice that I always wanted to hear. And so. It, so that's when I realized just how important silence is. で、この沈黙っていうのは、まあ今言ったように何も起きてない時間ではない。で、その中で常に何かが起きているし、そのことをまあ待つようなあの態度があれば、で、この待つ時にやっぱり相手のことをちゃんと見なきゃいけないし、聞かなきゃいけないっていうことがあると思っているんですけど、この待つ態度があれば、沈黙の時間っていうのはとても豊かなコミュニケーションの時間になると思って。And so, as I mentioned, I think silence doesn't mean that nothing is going on. It always means that something is actually going on.、Uh, but it's really about the attitude to wait.、Um, and to wait means to also Closely listen and closely watch, and to to wait means to allow for this silence. And silence is a rich form of communication. And I think these thoughts have been reflected in this film. Oh my! This has been such an extraordinary pleasure to be with you, and I want to congratulate you for all of your hard won achievements. I'm I'm rooting for you. I'm really rooting for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. あのとても素晴らしい質問があの自分の答えを今日もあの生んでくれたんだというふうに感じてます。本当にありがとうございました。I really think these answers really came out. It was birthed through your wonderful questions. Thank you so much. 